Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey guys, this is John Alba, host of the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy podcast. And I'm so grateful, as is Matt, that you guys are checking out today's episode. It's a very special one where you're going to hear a side of Jeff Hardy that you've probably never heard before. But with that said, I want to remind you, before we jump into any of this, head on over to wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, I don't even know all the other platforms, leave us a five-star review. It is the best way that you can help the extreme life of Matt Hardy grow, and it's a great way to pay it forward to these awesome Hardys for reinventing themselves once again and gracing your television sets allowing us to get that nice hit of nostalgia that we all crave. Matt and I pour so much into this podcast, and we really appreciate all your support. So with that said, leave a five-star review, hit that subscribe button, and enjoy this very special edition of The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Spoken, and let me tell you something, the internet is about to be broken here on the extreme life of Matt Hardy. We are broadcasting from the Blue Chew Studios. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code HARDY at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. I, of course, am John Alba, and this is a very special edition of the extreme life of Matt Hardy. We had told you that our Becoming Broken series was going to be a five-parter, but you know what? Matt and I were talking, and we decided... Let's go with six, because this episode is all about Brother Nero, and he's joining us live in living color this week. Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy, the Hardys reunited. How are you guys? Doing good. We uh, it's, a, it's a Wednesday. You know what that means. There's a live AW Dynamite, a lot of taping and recording going on, and Matt Jeff Hardy, you're going to be very busy today, so it's going to be a very exciting day. Jeff? How have you been catching up with this whirlwind that is life? Because it has just, I have to imagine, been absolutely insane. Yeah, for sure. This past weekend was completely insane. We did like four towns in two days. Like these massive meet and greets were just incredible. The support and love that we still have as the Hardy Boys. And now that we've reunited uh, in a new wrestling world, it's just such an exciting uh, feeling to have this open-minded um vision of the future as far as this last run and what the Hardy boys are capable of. And it's super exciting. We, we signed autographs and took pictures for 14 hours. Holy shit. Over the course of two days. That, that's not even an exaggeration. We went overtime on every signing because there was such a big turnout for it. Uh, for 14 hours, we signed autographs and took pictures. That's the most I've ever done in one weekend. And you were in like four different States too, right? Yeah. 
insane. But I have and to lots, of, lots of snow as well. Lots of snow. And Matt scares me enough when he's driving when there's no snow. <laughs> so imagine the fear that I, I possess. And then on top of that, we uh, lost an hour to daylight savings time. So yes. uh, that was a, a, another hour we didn't sleep. We were yes. running on fumes by the very end of this thing. But I have to imagine it just had to be so gratifying to see those responses that you guys were getting. I saw the reaction in Webster that you guys got. Uh, that just the Hardys are still of not just a very relevant tag team, but you guys are a major draw still. How did all that feel? Uh, it was great. I mean, it was like, it was like a, a, a rock show, you know, like his rock shows that he does, you know, as he's the big rock star of the Hardy boys. That's what I call him nowadays. But I mean, it, it was great coming out to those receptions, uh, especially the music, having, uh, having the old music back is so cool. And, and just, the, there's so much nostalgia surrounded around that, but also we're, uh, you know, still in the game, working on a high level, and we're a lot smarter about what we're doing now. And, and it's great that we're able to do this last run, especially on the the platform that is AW, and also supplement it with on these indie appearances and getting to work teams like the SATs, a team that we've never worked before in the past, and also the uh, the major players, which is Matt Cardone and Brian Myers. We've never worked them before in the past. So we're also going to get to fulfill a lot of dream matches outside of AW, which is very cool. Jeff, after kind of living in that, WWE bubble the last few years. How liberating was it to just get a chance to go out there and have some fun with Matt? I, it was super fun. It was really good for me because it had been like, I think, 93 to 96 days since I'd actually wrestled a match. So this past weekend was great for me condition-wise, you know, because uh, that's what it takes to get back in shape for, for having good wrestling matches is just getting in there and doing it. And uh, surprisingly, I felt really good. It's kind of like, you know, riding a bike. You know, we were kind of born to do this thing. And um and and you never forget like how to perform. It's just building up your conditioning to to be better and to the best of your ability. Uh, so it was good practice for me over the weekend, preparing me for my first uh, match in AEW, which I'm super nervous and excited about. It's a good type of nervous. I was watching being the elite, and I know you had talked about this in the past in other interviews. But right as your music was about to hit, you let out that just wail uh, to kill those nerves. Uh, what was it like? coming out of that tunnel with all the anticipation and hearing loaded hit over that loudspeaker and hearing that response. Yeah. The, re the reaction was, was the, uh, I mean, the best form of like adrenaline and energy from the wrestling fans, just that pop, you know, as they call it. And then I had to let out that nervous, exciting energy with that yell. And, and I was so torn because I'm saving my brother. Right. And one of my biggest heroes was out in the ring sting and this new guy that, his name's Darby Allen. I just met him for the first time that day. And I'm like, this is really happening. I'm, I'm about to like debut in <laughs> AEW. And so the, the question for me was like, cause Matt was saying, man, just take your time and go, do the juke. <laughs> just man, you're a star, man. Just do that. So I was like, I can't do that. I'm saving my brother. And so I tried to juke and run at the same time. Uh, but I think it, it worked out uh, pretty perfectly. And, uh, but yeah, it was just overwhelming. And I I'll be glad when I get a, like a very, um, a, a patient entrance to where I can actually absorb all that energy from the AW uh, universe. Yeah. That, uh, doing the juke on the run, I think that was a compromise because I was the one I was like, sure. I know I'm going to be down. I just want all the guys to even stop. The music is going to be such a big moment. People are going to be shocked and just, they, they're going to be out of their mind. I just want you to come out. I want you to do the joke, juke, you're a big star, like do your thing and like get a full entrance, you know, even though they're beating me up, just let, let them stop. But they stayed, uh, stayed on top of me. They were still whipping my ass. And, uh, and he, he went ahead and came to the ring. Just all the, the memes that had been out there oh, are, are, are very funny, very entertaining, but I love it. It wasn't on him. If it was up to him, he would have just ran straight in. This was on me. He's a big star. Damn it. He's going to get a big star <laughs> entrance. 
he is a big star. Every time, Jeff, we post about you on our podcast, social media accounts, or Matt and I talk about something that you've done, the numbers are just out of this world. People still look at Jeff Hardy as a megastar. And, and Matt and I have discussed that a lot on this podcast, that there's just something about you that people are so drawn to. Um, when you go out and get these receptions from people, how does that feel all these years later to see how much they identify with you and take to you? I don't, I have this strange connection with the wrestling fans and I think it's got a lot to do with over the years. I've really been patient and took my time to like, uh, not rush a pitcher or not deny a pitcher or whatever. I, I, you know, I've always considered myself just another human being with a different job. And I think in the long run, it's really like helped me out along the way. Um, but just, just this weird, the it factor, I guess, is what it is. And I can't explain it. That's where the uh, charismatic enigma kind of comes into play. There's something mysterious about me that I don't truly understand. But other people can like look at me and know that I'm a genuine kind, like entertaining, uh, artistic, uh, creative person. And, um, and yeah, so I think when it's all said and done, I'll, I'll look back on my career and go, that's why I did that. That's why I... I, I you know, I, I connect with the people so much because uh, you, you can't go wrong. Kill them with kindness, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I, my whole career, I, I've killed them with kindness. I think, too, as you said, for both of us, uh, we have gained a lot of equity with fans just by being so fan friendly. You know, because that uh, a lot of times people will say that, like, oh, my God, you guys have been around for so long and you're so well known. And, you know, like in, in the big scheme of things, you're big stars. Like, can't believe you're being so nice to us or taking pictures or whatever. I mean, we've always done that. And I feel like at our core, we're both big wrestling fans. And we know if we met, you know, the Sting or Ultimate Warrior or the Macho Man when we were a kid and they were nice to us, like that, that would make us love them forever. And I feel like that's kind of the same message we try and relay to, to our fans as well. I'm blown away by the kindness you guys always exhibit to your fans and Matt always to me how kind you are. So I, I think that resonates uh, especially. And I want to talk more about the AEW stuff. I want to talk about some of the WWE stuff in just a little bit. Uh, but before we get into the core of this episode, Brother Nero, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask uh, you guys about Scott Hall, who we both just lost this week. And I know as we've documented on this podcast, including Jeff on the episode that you were on that got us started here, the click were really cool to you guys in the beginning of your careers and Scott Hall and Kevin Nash W with the ice moniker. Um, what are your guys' memories about Scott Hall and his contributions to the industry? I know the latter match was a, a huge motivator for both of you. Yeah, uh, it was very, very sad how it just kind of came out of left field. You know, this, this happened, he was in for surgery and had these heart attacks. And it's a, once again, a, a very, drastic and stark reminder of like how tomorrow isn't promised and that's trying how that's how i try and live my life every day now you know you have to really enjoy each and every day each and every moment you have you know like our expression was like live for the moment but there, there is a lot of truth to that because no one is guaranteed tomorrow and uh, especially as you get older i i, I think about that a, a lot more for all of us but like uh the thing with scott hall is like you that was just out of the blue and it's just a, a very strong and like very real reminder that like no one is guaranteed tomorrow and like enjoy every moment of life and, and also be good to people as well. But Scott was, he was very cool to us. Uh, we had a lot of good fun stories with him. Uh, I'll never forget the, the second day that I was with WWE, obviously the first day Jeff wrestled him, he was 16 years old and it was under very strange circumstances where, you know, the, the, the match was 
very frustrating with Scott Hall because the guy who was supposed to wrestle said he couldn't take his finish. And he's like, why is this guy here as an extra if he, can't take my, if he couldn't take my finish? And then he was a little frustrated, you know, wrestling with Jeff. And that ended up working to Jeff's favor, I think, because he, he uh, formed a little bond with him after that. The next night I was wrestling against him, and I remember he said, you know, how when I'm in the corner, poke me in the eye, I said, you know, maybe give me some chops, maybe three, four, whatever, and I'll turn around and I'll give you some. And I got two really good ones that, like, rang out very loud in the arena, like, wham! And I hit a second one. He stopped me right then and there and turned me around. Boom, boom, boom. Three says, easy, kid. That's what he said in the back. He said, you had two really good ones. I couldn't let you outshine me out there, though. <laughs> now, Jeff, I know after that first match you had with him, he roughed you up a little bit, if I'm not mistaken, incidentally. And Matt said on that first episode that you almost wanted to quit after that. Um, but what did working with him do for you and the encouragement you got from him? Uh, it was amazing. And I, my, I, my way with words can be like confusing at times. I'm still trying to figure out the right thing to say social media wise, as far as how big of an inspiration and, and influence he was in our careers. And yeah. even that first match in that hard ass WWE ring back in the day, I mean, you had to be like Andre the giant to make it move. It, it was terrible. Uh, and then him just being real stiff and kind of roughing me up. I, I, I totally like second guessed my, my love for pro wrestling. I was like, I don't know if I, I'm cut out to do this. I really don't like it. I didn't like that match at all. It was really, it really hurt. It wasn't fun. Uh, but then the next day I wrestled one, two, three kid, Sean Walkman, and he like uh, totally refilled my soul as far as the wrestling thing goes. But then moving forward, like Razor, Scott Hall was so kind because he thought I looked like Vanilla Ice and the click and they started calling me Ice. And I'll never forget one time he told Pat Patterson and I was like 16 or 17 too. He said, let's get this kid on the road, get him seasoned. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm not even eight. I'm not even legal yet. I mean, this is crazy, but there's something very special here to, to what he saw. He saw my future pretty much through whatever, through my eyes or, or my energy or whatever it was. But, uh, yeah. and man, he, he believed in us every step of the way. And, and that's, that's rare, man. But, uh, it was meant to be that night that that guy didn't want to wrestle him. And naturally I was all about it. And I was so nervous. I was so uh, nervous. I thought it was like live TV, but this is when they would film like three or four raws one night, but Matt was on live TV that night. Um, but anyway, I was just, it was, it was wild, man. And it, it was not fun, but he was so uh, apologetic after because my knee hit the post and he kicked me in the head and just it was it was rough. But, um, yeah, I'm still trying to figure out the right way to express my, my love and 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 deep sorrow for, for him uh, leaving this earth. Uh, I'll, I'll also add this. I, th I think it was a, a, a very good reminder uh, of reality when we'd been doing pro wrestling, but our first trip at WWE, we were obviously very inspired by the, the WrestleMania 10 ladder match between him and Shawn Michaels. And remember the very first WWF WWE taping that we went into as extras, we saw them sitting beside each other and like joking with one another and shaking hands. And we're like, you know, it's like confirmation. Like yeah. it, it is just how we do it. You know, these guys are like friends and they go out and they wrestle, even though they have these feuds, whatever. And, and, and we knew that's how it was, but just to have the confirmation on this highest level that these two guys who just been involved in this big match and this feud, like are buddy, buddy, you know, and they're hanging out with one another. I remember how strong of a confirmation that was is like, yeah, wrestling is just how we envisioned it is even here at WWE, you know, even though this was our first time being here, it was so cool to, to have that validation. And I think the fact that he was able to find redemption and he had the whole entire world show him how appreciated he was in those last 10 years of his life. And I, I think that's a really positive way to look back at the legacy that he left. And he got that moment at the hall of fame. And it's, it's a really special way to remember someone that was as impactful 
as him. So I appreciate you guys sharing those stories. And uh, we will miss him, no doubt about that. Yeah, one one other cool moment is when it comes to Scott Hall. I wrestled <clears throat> King Kong Bundy one night, and I and I did the backflip <laughs> yeah. from the clothesline. And I, man, it was so cool. He was. They were watching the man. They all popped for that backflip uh, that I used to be able to do when I take a clothesline. And it was so smooth and like, oh man, flawless kind of. He he. After that match, he said, "Did you see what Ice did?" He went, he went vertical. He, he went vertical. He did the 360. Yeah, he, he went did, vertical. He went I remember he kept saying that over yeah, and over. It was so cool. And I was like, oh, thank you. I also, I also thought it was really cool. Whenever after WCW uh, was absorbed by WWE and he ultimately came back doing the NWO thing with Kevin Nash, I remember he was like, man, I'm like so proud of what you guys have become. Like, remember, man, we were telling like Pat Patterson and Chief, like these guys, they got something. So have you guys got this opportunity, man? I'm proud of what you've become. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Was he as cool as he gave off the energy of? Oh yeah, he. I mean, he he was he he was a cool cat, you know. And you would hear a lot of horror stories about those guys, sure. You know, and, and I see why. Like politically, they were very savvy. Mm-hmm. You know, he that uh, quote I wrote on Twitter yesterday said, "What was the best lesson you learned from Scott Hall?" You probably remember this too. He said, "He said, hey Matt, he said, remember, he said, he said, this is show business, not show friends. You know, don't worry about being over with the boys. You know, worry about the amount of money you're making to take care of your family. That's what you need to worry about." Yeah. Uh, you know, so 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 I I, I get it. I, I get why he had. You know that rap in some circles, but I mean, he he was always cool with us, and obviously, we were never political enemies of his. You know, he was always cool and, and supportive. So I, I don't have anything but complimentary things to say about him. I was listening to a couple stories about him the other day, and one about him like showing up late to an indie show or something like that, and the promoter offered to like take him right to the ring past all the screaming fans, and he was like, "Nah, I got to go through the fans, got to get that pop." And I <laughs> I just I just thought that was man, that's Scott Hall, right? They're the best four words that any man could hear. I knew you'd come. (laughs) Are you looking to take your gimmick from broken to woken? Well, lucky for you, this episode of The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy is brought to you by Blue Chew. I know a lot of wrestling fans have plenty of bravado when it comes to sharing opinions on Twitter. But what about when it comes to stepping up to the plate in the bedroom. That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but it comes in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. Now, if you're like me and you're always on the road or you're at work at different hours every day, no problem. You can take them on a moment's notice. And then what do you know? Things are about to get extreme. And the process is incredibly easy. Sign up at BlueChew.com and consult with one of their licensed medical providers. Once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And all those confidence problems will soon become obsolete. The best part is, it's all done online. You don't have to go to the doctor. You don't have to wait in line at the pharmacy and you can spend your free time creating poetry in motion rather than having awkward conversations about your ladder breaking before you can get it set up. Blue Chew tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. House Hardy has grown in size quite a bit over the years. That's because I know the importance of taking the twist of fate into your own hands rather than letting yourself become a whisper in the wind. 
V1 of your sex life may not have been great, but V2 can be. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, Blue Chew can help. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you have our promo code HARDY at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com promo code HARDY to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank you, Blue Chew, for sponsoring our podcast. Jeff, we've been doing this Becoming Broken series, and last week was maybe my favorite episode we've done so far of this podcast, where we took a character study deep dive on Broken Matt Hardy, and we're going to talk a little bit about Brother Nero, who we knew. We knew he'd come, but uh, he has finally arrived here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy once again. But as we do every single week here on the Extreme Life, Matt Hardy, you've got a Matt fact for us, so hit us with it. Matt fact... Matt and Jeff Hardy are on a quest to cement their legacy as the GOATs of tag team wrestling. That's what's up. So we, uh, we're supposed to do the final deletion this week, and we are pushing that to next week. So you will hear us talk about the final deletion in long form. And Jeff, I can't encourage you enough to check out that episode, too, because uh, I've taped a lot of episodes here with Matt so far, but I've never seen him smile the entire time that we were taking it was it was a very cool and sentimental look back for him and i could tell it was but i want to take a deep dive into brother nero because this character is so authentically you and whereas broken matt hardy kind of changed the game with pro wrestling this felt to me as as an observer of brother nero like an extension of who Jeff Hardy always wanted to be in a pro wrestling ring. So when you first hear of the idea of the broken character, when you and Matt are feuding, what are your initial reactions to that? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually very curious to hear this. Yeah, I had no idea what he was talking about. <laughs> I, he said, I don't know, man. I just wanted you to hit me with something real big and I'm going to change. I'm going to die like a blonde streak in my hair. I'm just going to be different. And I think he, from all these shows he loves, he kind of took a little bit from all these different characters and, and broken Matt Hardy was born, <clears throat> but after that swanton, yeah. And then when he started acting, it just, I, I fell in love with it, it like immediately. And there were so many like hilarious moments, even now uh, at my music shows and at our signings, man, it's just the humor is everywhere in this stuff. Cause I, I, I just go, Hey, if that picture was bad, when you get home later and, and you don't like it, just delete it. And then it's like, Oh, that's so funny. And then the obsolete <laughs> thing is just such, Oh, there's so much to work with. But uh, yeah, I had no idea, but uh once I saw where, where he was going with it, I was like, this is, this is genius. Like this is like Steve Austin had his beer and, and flipping people off. And then rock comes in. He's, he's just his char charisma alone. He's just like on top of the game. I was like broken mess. The next bit. he's going to be, he's going to own the wrestling world. This is too good. Uh, so yeah, I was just, I was inspired as well. I want to ask you this because Matt and I have talked about this where you are, a former WWE champion, former world heavyweight champion, and, and Matt achieved plenty of success on his own and, and reached really high levels of being over in the industry. But it felt like, especially as we've gone back in hindsight, this was Matt's real first chance to stand out and do something that could really make a major, major uh, impact, no pun intended, on professional wrestling. Did you recognize that as it was starting to unfold that he would have a chance to blaze his own path here? 
I did like immediately, even like out there in that zoo, man, fighting those kangaroos. I'm like, this is this is insane. Like jackass is such a popular thing, right, man? We're and this is kind of Jack Ashes, but man, this is great. And he he's he was so like committed to it, and like his <laughs> promos were so genius, man, and funny and serious at times. Uh, and and you just I couldn't help but believe what he was saying. Like, oh my god, this is real. This is a real individual universe here that that's gonna go places in the pro wrestling world, and uh, and it did, and it still can resurface at any point, reemerge. And I, and I, I trust me, I, I know it will, um, especially now we're together again, because uh, there's a lot more that, that uh, needs to be done with the broken universe that, that we never fulfilled before. Like we, we separated. I mean, it, it was too, you know, we were on the verge with the broken universe uh, before we left impact when Anthem came in and, you know, Jeff Jarrett wasn't his, the best place in his life. And, you know, we had that, uh, disagreement over our contracts as things were changing, whatever. We ended up going to WWE, but before that, remember, we were going to work with the Bucks. We were going to do a cross-promotional angle, you know, between TNA and Ring of Honor, which was ultimately going to be a cinematic match, which was going to be too sweet or delete. You know, so uh, we were we were really excited about that. There were going to be some cool things on the horizon, but all that stuff fell through. But, you know, there could be a possible uh, opportunity to, to get some of that stuff again here at AEW. That's one thing I've talked about a lot too, yeah. like at music shows that when they say, oh, what are you excited about in the AEW? I'm like, definitely a cinematic, like short movie uh, match uh, with the Young Bucks called Too Sweet or Delete. Because man, we had so many good ideas when we were kind of envisioning what could, you know, happen throughout that match. So yeah, I mean, a super kick party, a lot of deletion, you know, obsolete mules, all that good stuff uh, can be so cool again. And like for that to work in AEW, it's going to have to take a very special degree of creative genuity because we know that this audience in AEW is very pro wrestling centric. They want to see great tag team wrestling. They want to see in ring storytelling. So how much do you guys look forward to a challenge like that and being able to reach into the expertise you've gotten from these cinematic matches and try to make something work like that for this audience? I, I almost feel like that could exist like almost on another platform. It's not even just like a standard AEW match, which lands on a pay-per-view or, you know, even on a TV show. I almost, I, I could almost see this being something that would supplement the program we could possibly have mm -hmm. on another platform. Maybe an episode of Rampage strictly uh, just devoted to this entire thing. That would be a lot of fun. Now, Jeff, uh, we talked a lot about setting the groundwork for this broken universe, and it all started with some erratic behavior of yours, if we will. Uh, going back to the motorcycle uh, accident when you were on the dirt bike, rather, I should say, and uh, you break your leg. And without as, as horrible of a situation it was, without that happening, it's very possible that we don't get this broken universe. Uh, take me back to that time when that happened. You guys were tag team champions. What were you thinking after that happened? And did you see any opportunities down the line to reinvent the Hardys? Because you guys could have gone back out there and just played the greatest hits and called it a day. Yeah, it's so strange how like things work out. And it's kind of like I am guide, guided by something higher than me in this life. The way things kind of do happen for a reason, certain things that is. Uh, but that I, I was riding real good back in 2015. At least I thought I was. And I built these three like massive jumps on my motocross track. And uh, it took me a few months. I conquered the first two and that got that, you know, fear is part of the fun. I, I made it. And I'm like, yes, I got it. There's one more. And it was the biggest one. It was a hundred foot triple I'd made. So I just want to jump a hundred foot. And there was the runway wasn't that long, but I just, 
I said, I got to do it. I can do it. And I, I just went for it one day and my buddy was filming me and um, I'd actually put a fire in between it too, just to kind of motivate me to like really just peg it and, and hope for the best. And I just went for it that day and came up short. And that's the worst feeling. Anybody that rides dirt bikes knows, but when you, when you know you're not going to make it, the younger me probably would have bailed off, but I just held on for dear life and came up short, bam, broke my, my right tibia clean. And uh, I was on the ground for, for the first time in my life. I couldn't get up. Uh, at all. And my buddy said, oh, come on, you'll be our man walking off. No, nope, I'm not walking. I thought both my legs were broke. I was kind of out of it. And uh, I said, just you got to call 911, man. And then my wife came out there in a panic. And uh, should I call Dixie? I said, yes, yeah, call Dixie. Because I, th I think uh, I was the uh, Omega heavyweight champion and we were the tag team champions at that time, too. And then so I'm just out we there. We just won them, I think. And, yeah, we just won them. And I was, oh my God, just in agony. And I was, oh my, what have I done? And it was by far the worst injury I've ever like uh, endured. Um, but yeah, and then going to the hospital uh, that day, I'm just going, man, what have I done? I've just ruined all this. But uh, went, they put a rod in my tibia, got it all aligned, put a rod in it. I think I got out of the hospital like two days later or something. Still went to the mega show in crazy pain in a wheelchair just to do a signing and they explained the situation. Um, so yeah, I was just like really kind of down on myself. Like, why did I do that? But I just love motocross. And that's again, like fear is part of the fun. And this day it just didn't work out. But then again, we also got, you know, broken mat out of this yep. thing. Um, and so in that, but yeah, after a year with that rod in my tibia, they finally took that thing out. And that's when I messed up my knee as well to where it'd be four years later. I'd finally have to have my knee repaired. I think, um, but yeah, it was just weird uh, the way things happen. And looking back on that now, I'm like, wow, maybe that was supposed to happen in some strange, mysterious way. But nobody knows. What do you remember Matt's reaction to that being? I don't know. Kind of just like, what the fuck have you done? I almost feel like that's almost exactly what I said to him when he asked me. That's said, exactly what it was. I wanted to see if the accounts uh, matched yeah. up there. Like, what do you think? Like, when I got a call from the hospital, oh, I'm in here. I got a broken leg. I was like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. <laughs> that's so funny, though, that you said, like, I broke my leg. You said, call 911 and call Dixie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it's true. I mean, you guys had just won the championship and they did such a great build. Actually, as we record this, uh, today on Wednesday, it's the anniversary of you guys winning the championship. I just uh, saw that. I, I just wow. saw that. Yeah, it's when the party this morning. What do you guys remember about that early run back together? Because this was the first time the Hardys were going for tag team gold in about eight years at that point. So you guys were back together. There was a lot of talent in the TNA tag team scene at that point. Uh, it seemed like they were setting you guys up for a program with the Wolves, and I would have loved to have seen some longevity out of that. I, I remember whenever I came back to New York and we were like, uh, when I came back to TNA and I, I was able to do it without a contract at first. And then we did the series against uh, Team 3D and, and the Wolves. And we had all the, right, the yeah. series of matches, right? And then eventually uh, I felt good and comfortable about being there. I ended up signing a contract. And that's when they pulled the trigger and decided to put the titles on us when, whenever we had that, you know. And obviously, you know, your leg was broken. But I, it was really enjoyable. And, like, fans were very excited to, to see us back together again. Anytime we're apart, it always means so much more when we come back together, much like this time. So it, it was it was really cool. And I feel like we would have had a good run if we'd been together at that same time. But also, whenever he did get hurt and we just won the title, I was just kind of like out. I feel like the plans that had been made for me, you know, were just kind of like, you know, obviously lost at that point because he was obviously gone. He was going to be gone for a while with that injury. But then that's where I ended up stumbling into the thing with EC3. I just volunteered to kind of work with him, trying to elevate him. And uh, 
that ultimately became the uh, the double turn with EC3 and Big Money Matt, which led to Broken Matt Hardy with you finally coming back. So it, it's it's crazy how all that stuff works out. I, I just remember the time we were excited, like we always are, whenever we come back together. Uh, and, and it was really good. And the fan response was was great to us as well then. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. By now, you know that everything is crazy overseas and well, that's created some volatility in the market. We actually saw rates tick down a little bit this week. We don't know how long it'll stay that way. All the experts are predicting that there is going to be a rate hike this month in the month of March. Some are saying 25 basis points. Others are saying 50. What does that mean? It means waiting will cost you money. And by the way, I want to mention this is still a once in a lifetime opportunity just based on your real estate values. You see all of a sudden your house is worth considerably more than it was just a couple of years ago. And as a result, you can use that newfound equity to change your your life. We're routinely helping our podcast listeners take their 30 year loan and pay it off in half the time. And how can they afford to do that without their payments going sky high? We get rid of all their other debt. And I mean it as a heads up. What would you do if you had no credit card debt? Just like that. It was all paid off. How much easier would life be if those car payments they're out of here. No more car payments. That is the story that we're able to help our friends and family with at SaveWithConrad.com. You see, the interest you pay on your credit cards, not tax deductible, and sky high. The interest you pay on your car loans, buddy, where is that going? What if we could restructure all of your debt, use some of this newfound equity, and at the same time, get you out of debt faster? You see, what we're talking about is reducing the time on your mortgage. Yes, we're going to get you a great rate, but if you're in a 30-year loan, think about what your life looks like 30 years from now. Man, life gets a lot easier when you're completely debt-free, and that's what we want to help you do. And by the way, you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. And oh, as a heads up, if you've been thinking, hey man, I like my house, but my kitchen's kind of outdated. What if we could get you the cash you need to turn your average kitchen into something your wife loves and it wouldn't change your monthly payment at all? Why wouldn't you do that? You see, you'd be reinvesting back in your own property. That's going to make your house worth even more. And oh yeah, you can do it with cheaper monthly payments at SaveWithConrad.com. Now I know it sounds too good to be true, but I want you to go check out our reviews for yourself. See what some of our new family members are saying at conradreviews.com. You'll see there we've got over a thousand verified reviews. Our average rating is 4.72. And if we were a restaurant with a thousand reviews and a 4.72 rating, I know where you're eating dinner and I know where you need to do your next loan. It's savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? That's savewithconrad.com. Jeff, a lot of what we've discussed in this Becoming Broken series is the layering of the storytelling and using character motivation to help later further call back to what we saw months prior. It was really well done, regardless of whether it was intentional or not. And you play a very important role in helping trigger Matt get to that point. When did you realize that you were playing 
a, a pivotal part in helping change this character for Matt? And were you looking forward to working him again? Because I know you guys have mixed feelings about working against one another. Uh, yeah, I think my, my biggest thing, like leading up to all that, uh, I think is as far as, uh, the stuff that happened behind the scenes with the broken universe stuff, like that's when my creativity really came into play, like with all the what like digging across out of the, in the ground and setting it on fire and getting this cool shot. Wow. Getting $5,000 worth of dirt to build a volcano, you know, and build a pet cemetery just for a scene. I was like, man, my mind was just going crazy. This is great. But then it almost gets to the point too, where like, okay, how do we top what we just did this last time? You know, like with the TLC matches, how do we top what we did last time? Um, but yeah, I don't know. I didn't even realize it, like how, how important I was to the whole thing, but um, it kind of just all like fell into where it exactly was supposed to be. That, that very much too, uh, a, a true story at Apocalypto. You know, we talked about this too, like in the final deletion, which people will hear about next week. Uh, we, you know, we did, we funded it. You know, we bought all the props and the extras. I'll never forget with Apocalypto. He said, I really want to make this volcano special. So I brought $5,000 worth of, of dirt in, you know, to build this volcano. And like he'd spent all this time, you know, and that's why towards the end of that, whenever we were talking about the, the broken Mount Hardy and brother Nero characters, that, that, that is where our whole case stood. Uh, like, I think these are our characters cause we've truly funded them, you know, and that, that's why we went through a little bit of that legal battle with everything with, uh, with Anthem and whatnot. Now everything is cool. Everything's only up and up. And I think one of the cool things about Anthem running Impact now is that they have decided if someone does have a character or gimmick, they let that take them. They, they let it take them with them wherever they may go, which I think is very cool. And they're in. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to talk about this next week on the final deletion. But since you just brought it up, I should ask Jeff about this because I know I asked you about it. Uh, a lot of the broken universe stuff was very DIY. It's and look, we're both music guys, Jeff, like DIY is such a big part of rock and roll, right? Like, especially when you're an indie band, you're out there trying to make it. Uh, how much pride did you take in the DIY nature of the broken universe and putting things out there on your own? Uh, that's what made it so special, especially the final deletion, man. Like throughout that night running, I don't know, 800 feet of drop cord to get a certain shot, like, because, you know, we, we filmed all throughout the night and then, uh, and even the, the first big thing with that, like I'd made this uh, big enigma cross in my backyard and it, it the weather over time had been pretty beat up. So I said, maybe we can just burn that thing and do something big. Maybe we'll like a swanton off the top or something. And, and sure enough, before the sun came up that morning, we were able to get that last shot, man. And Matt almost got <laughs> five fifth degree burns or whatever because he <laughs> the gas just engulfed him. And I mean, then I did the big bump and uh, but that that was the beauty of it all, man. We were, there was like six people out there and we made all that work. And um, and that was one of the funnest things for me, too, because it reminded me of my childhood, our childhood. Yeah. Of us making little movies and coming up with these characters and uh, not just the wrestling on a trampoline, but like actually little short films and movies. It was kind of like we were doing that in our adult lives. And and it was super fun, especially that people got to witness it and they actually enjoyed it. Yeah, it was it was a little bit of a, a, a love letter to our backyard wrestling career. You know, as far as being DIY pro wrestlers, you know, we were we never went to a training school. We literally took a trampoline and we emulated what we'd see on TV. A lot of it was, you know, Scott Hall, Shawn Michaels stuff. You know, so a lot of that performing in our literal backyards was uh, was quite a love letter to our, our love of pro wrestling and, and getting into it initially. I'm honestly just blown away that we have the Jimmy Jack Tompkins on our podcast <laughs> because that's that's a huge rub for us here on the extreme life of Matt Hardy. Um, Matt, 
Was there any hesitance on your part to drag Jeff into this broken universe? Because you don't know if this thing is going to work. And we've, we've talked about that. We talked a lot about it last week, that this is a huge risk you're taking. And the early reactions were very polarizing. Was there any hesitance to bring him into it? No, uh, there, there wasn't on my end. I mean, I, Jeff is just, Jeff is going to be eternally over because he, he really does have, when you hear about that it factor, people mention all the time, like he just, he does, he has it. He's just a rock star and people dig him. And I think he also uh, gets a lot of love because it's to his advantage. You know, he's, he's not like a social media person. He's not a very outspoken for person. He doesn't reveal a lot of details of his life, you know, just constantly like most people do in this day and age because people want to be accepted and, and love. Jeff is just like, eh, I'm Jeff Hardy. If you like me, that's cool. If you don't, that's cool. Whatever. I'm going to be fine. You know, so I, I knew it would be cool doing this. And then I, I knew it would go one of two ways, either a, like Jeff could become, broken like me so to say where he would be brother nero and he could be some sort of like really eccentric different personality so to say which ended up happening or either jeff hardy would be able to reel his brother back in to reality and we understand that i like lost my mind for a little bit and went crazy and then we can have a new updated run of the hardys you know in some you know with, with this new bonding factor that had gotten them back together and we, we thought it was going to be one of those two options going forward. And that is what we, you know, what, what we, what we planned for. And it turned out that they were okay with seeing him broken. I'll never forget the impact where you ended up jumping off the top turnbuckle through that table, you know, and, and you just accepted and embraced being brother Nero, which was, which was wild and cool. And, and part of my real reason for doing that was because like, he's so passionate whenever he wrestles, he, he feels like, no, I have to give, you know, wrestling fans a whisper in the wind or a swan time. You know, that's, that's just, that's, he feels that in his soul. Like they, they want to see that from me. That's what they need. Once again, he's like such a big star. Like they really want to see him. And that is something that I would always try and stress just for longevity. And I figured if we did brother Nero and I was the hill at first and I could say, you cannot jump off the top rope anymore. I was like, I can at least eliminate or like trim down some of this destruction he does to his own body, you know, and, and I'll get the heat for it. You know, <laughs> so it, it was, it was a really fun gig and, and, what we would hope for in a best case scenario, as far as people accepting brother Nero and like having this real weird, quirky, odd, you know, peculiar persona. Uh, and we hoped it would work and then we could be back together as baby faces. And it did, which is, is so crazy. and so wild. Yeah. When I gave in to becoming brother Nero, I'll never forget. I said something along the lines of like, you can't hurt me. Uh, only I can hurt myself or something like that. And then I, I go up to the top and the plan was to like go through this vertical like table and keep the mic in my hand. And then I was going to say, I totally spaced out and forgot the word nefarious, but <laughs> I went through the table. Oh, and I said, I am. And I was trying my best to remember nefarious. I could not remember. I said, Oh my God, I'm supposed to say, I am the nefarious brother Nero. But I was like, I, I am, I am brother Nero. <laughs> so I, got it. But I kept the mic in my hand. It was such a cool spot. Yeah. I was like, I, I, I hurt myself. It was something cool like that. that so like, with that said, then, we just talked about how you're such a big superstar. Are you concerned at any point that this character transition might work against you in any way? No, not at all. Like I, I like a, like Willow's a thing I did do in TNA for a while. And like, it could be done so much better now and hopefully it will mm -hmm. before I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, it's all said and done. Um, but yeah, just doing that. I was so scared because Willow was my, my jam back in the That's day. Character, you know, and then uh, and then I did my Jeff Hardy Wolverine stuff or whatever. But um, no, I was excited, man, about the challenge because Nero just I'm so 
glad that my mom and dad named me after my my grandpa and my uncle uh so it's generational the name and so i'm just so glad i got that name because it's such a cool cool middle name to have um but then actually the whole brother nero just flows and like man this is this is crazy cool so uh yeah it it, it was it, it excited me for sure what it's, were you so, it's so crazy too like how we've mentioned this in the series that we, we've talked about becoming broken just that brother nero i knew you'd come just the way that became so viral and everywhere and people would say it all i mean they'd say it to me or yeah. you if they were there it was just like such a such an amazingly popular catchphrase that went along with that whole series for sure yeah i don't know if you've heard our blue chew ads jeff but uh the first line of it is i knew you'd come so uh yeah. things have things have definitely evolved from that if you will shout out to blue chew for sponsoring extreme life and matt hardy of course um the evolution of brother nero then into the broken universe you you just start to you start wearing the contacts and you change up your clothing and this to me as i'm watching it as an observer feels like man jeff hardy is having the time of his life doing something like this how much fun were you having doing the character and more than that how much fun were you having working with matt on something that you guys probably picked up on pretty quickly was changing the pro wrestling universe uh, it was so unique and different for me, especially when he said, no, I'm like, I'm going to control your addiction, man. Like, you're not going to jump off ladders and stuff. It'd just be more violent, vicious. Like, for example, one thing that comes to mind, I think it was crazy, Steve. And I, I took my boot off and just beat the heck out of him with my boot, like in the face over and over. It's just like violent stuff that I was doing and, and not uh, jumping off high places or, or ladders and or doing swantons every night. Um but then uh, there was a time, too, like when Matt would let me indulge in my addiction. <laughs> I think the, the Great War or something when yeah. I finally went, yeah. indulge in your addiction. <laughs> and like, so I got to do a swanton over the ladder, big move that I hadn't done in a while. But uh, it was just fun and challenging. It's always challenging to play a different character. Uh, but it, it was just getting better and better. I felt there was even a time before it all like kind of shut down with TNA. We were doing something to where I was kind of absorbing Matt's powers. And because we filmed some stuff that never aired, yeah. you know. That was it was getting really fun. Like there were some outrageous things that I that I was saying and doing, um, but it kind of got shut down. So yeah, it was just challenging, but but a good challenge is always good. And and it ended up being the, the perfect place for it. I mean, because the fans were a lot more accepting of it in TNA, and it was like more of a viral thing where it wasn't like the diehard sports centric wrestling fans were all behind it. Although a lot of them really did enjoy it. There were just people who were like fans of like supernatural genres that really enjoyed. <laughs> the broken Matt brother Nero stuff, you know, and, and I feel like they didn't take it too serious. They enjoyed it. It was over the top. It was campy, but it, most importantly, more than anything else, it was fun. And there would be moments like one of my favorite moments, if you remember, uh, whenever we did delete or decay and they came, which ultimately was kind of like a fight in the big scheme of things where abyss was swinging Janice to hit me and you shoved me out of the way and, and you, yeah, you jumped in awesome. front of it and yeah. you took it and hit it. And I remember saying like, in, we tried to, it was an over the top moment, but I tried to be serious just in the livery of this. I was like, Brother Nero, that was so unselfish, you know, because like the whole point was, you know, your whole career, you've always, you know, just been about you, about Jeb, focusing on this and whatever. You wouldn't always take me with you. We'd go whatever. And that was kind of the whole uh, story behind things, you know. And then you did that, like you sacrificed yourself. It's like, oh my God. And that was like the moment where we truly turned babyface and it yeah. set up for that great war, which was so cool. Uh, 
doing the the uh, the match in the ring and then having a, a pre-recorded cinematic segment of it too and then coming back and finishing the match in the ring that was that was really cool yeah and that was so fun too even with the contacts where and I, it still blows me away how much i've, I've wrestled in those things because it's really makes vision a little difficult because it's very blurry like when you have those whiteouts in uh but even just the selling and just because i love acting and just it looks so believable and real like to, with my facials and stuff and then we ended up doing the thing to where he healed me in the lake of reincarnation uh, and i was hurt and that was just so fun uh just yeah the challenges that come along with with that stuff man it, it's so uh yeah, it was such a fun thing to be. And we did of. the the tease of the Antichrist. Remember where you came up? Yes, yeah, smoking a cigarette, smoking with the title. <laughs> yeah. Outstanding. Awesome, awesome well, stuff. and you told us on episode one of the Extreme Life how you don't consider yourself to be a pro wrestler necessarily. You consider yourself to be a stuntman who does pro wrestling. And when when you have these cinematic matches, I imagine that that that's like movie essence right there. You get to be a literal stuntman in every essence of the word. How much did you enjoy doing all this cinematic stuff? You just mentioned the great war, which personally, that's my favorite part of the entire broken run. I, I think the great war uh, changed wrestling even more so because it showed that there was a balance that could be had with those two things. Uh, how'd you feel about doing the cinematic stuff? Uh, I, I loved it. And I, I look forward to doing more <clears throat> like every now and then. It's just, I think it's really, really cool. Even, Going back to WrestleMania when uh, the pandemic prevented it, you know, and like uh, AJ Styles and The Undertaker, I thought that was brilliant. I mean, it, it reminded me yeah. so much of that, the final deletion, what we started doing like years ago. I was like, wow, this is, this stuff has evolved, you know, and it's such a such a, uh, a cool thing to be watching here with these two huge stars. Um, but yeah, moving forward, like I think the acting is what I'm most excited about, not just the, the stuntman moves or the the high spots or the whatever it is, the risks that we take, um, but just like the acting and emotion you can actually, you know, show within your face and, and your tone and all that stuff and telling a story. So I, I, I look very forward to uh, to more cinematic stuff like along the way. I love that. And I think a lot of people will look very much forward to it. Um, I kind of want to put a bow tie on this part of the conversation in a couple minutes here, but I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask, what is your favorite broken ism? Is it the delete? Is it obsolete? Uh, is there anything that stands out to either of you guys that you love more than anything else? The delete has taken on a life of its own, but maybe any other element of that? Yeah, for me, it's got to be, this is another cool thing. It kind of, I don't really understand why it happened, but it did, you know, uh, like uh, I wanted to write this song called obsolete and then uh, match him in this thing called the walk of shame from uh, the game of Thrones, right? Mm -hmm. Then that was the whole idea. Like when I did become brother Nero, it'd be the walk of shame. And I was like, Oh, but what if they repeated my song? Uh, You'll fade away and classify yourself as obsolete. And then the crowd said, obsolete. And it was just so fun how that stuff all worked out to like play perfectly into the broken universe. Uh, because the fans still to this day, even if my music shows, man, like they'll, they'll respond to that obsolete after that one line, you know, I'll fade away and classify myself as obsolete. Absolutely. And even recently now, I never <laughs> thought about this, but yeah, I've been at I was, was going to bring this up. This is like our, our new gig. Yeah. yeah, this was so great. Uh, at the end of our match or whatever, like Matt will say his thanks and, and words and then I'll, I'll like wrap it up and I'll say, you know, I love WWE. If it wasn't for WWE, like we wouldn't be who and what we are now. So uh, I just want, I got much love for WWE. I'll be right back. 
And so then I said, so I wrote a short love letter to WWE. And then I go, and this Matt had smartened me up to this. And I go, I'll fade away and classify myself as all elite. And then I go, all elite. I'll fade away and classify myself as all elite. So it just worked out so beautiful. Like how they just responded to that. So, so great. So, uh, yeah, it's funny how things happen sometimes. I love that so much. And we have to thank you eternally for lending us the obsolete song for this podcast because every single person I talk to about our show, they're like, dude, that intro song, that's that's everything right there. And that's awesome. I, I blasted, I'll be driving down the Jersey Turnpike and all of a sudden I just I'm like, yeah, okay, it's time to become obsolete and I throw it on. <laughs> and it's a great record too. Um I, I guess uh, when you are able to incorporate those other elements into what you do from a pro wrestling standpoint, bringing your music in, was there ever a point in your career that you felt more yourself than when you were doing Brother Nero? Because that seems like that's all encompassing parts of Jeff Hardy rolled into one. Yeah, I think I've always like felt like my myself. And that's one of the things with the connection with the people, I think, is every even at this past weekend, coming out <clears throat> with the face paint, you know, and I was very rushed that last night, but it, the crowd was there and I got to like close my eyes and hopefully not trip and do the, do my deal. And, um, I do like, feel like I'm always myself. I'm just kind of this like weird living, breathing, uh, piece of art, you know, that just is walking around, uh, because I'm just so like, I'm such a creative, you know, it's like, it's almost like my thoughts are too much or too big for my size at times. Cause there's so much going on in my head. I can do this. Is this possible? Blah, 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 whatever. Uh, so the voices and the ideas, you know, they're, they're kind of hard to control from time to time. But, um, yeah, I think with any character, I, I mean, I'm always in here, you know, totally myself. And, and that's one of the things I think people really uh, when they see me, they're getting Jeff Hardy, whether it's Willow or Brother Nero or the charismatic name or whatever. Uh, I'm just like this living, breathing uh, art form that is just so blessed to be alive. We'll talk about this in a future episode, but Matt got to do the Woken character in WWE, which was a spinoff of the Broken Universe. But you never got a chance to do Brother Nero, really, in WWE. Were you hoping that you guys would have had a chance to do a, a Broken Hardys run there? And what are your thoughts? He, about he, that? he did have one cameo as Brother Nero. Yes, he did. He had one cameo. No, yes, yeah. yes, it was a brief cameo, but I mean a sustained run. You guys didn't get a chance to do that in WWE. Was that something that you had hoped for? I, I would have liked to have done it, uh, you know, especially considering if, if we would have gotten an opportunity to kind of like have input in, in how it was. I feel like myself and Bray Wyatt, too, could have been much more successful if we'd have been able to give a little more input into what we should be doing. But I would have loved to have done uh, Brother Nero and Broken Matt and Bray Wyatt together. I think it had been a hell of a combination. Yeah, Jeff, what did you think about Bray Wyatt and the work that he did with Matt? Oh, I loved it. I love, I've always loved Bray, man. And uh, just everything he's done. He's just such an enigmatic, you know, like creature uh, that we've never actually worked together in the ring. And I was looking forward to that, but like surgeries kind of got in the way, you know, I was out, I had two surgeries uh, from, since the time I was 40 or whatever. And uh, at that period, I think a sur shoulder surgery had gotten my way. And so I was like gone for six months or something and, and they were doing their thing. And I loved it. It's still one of my favorite shirts that I got at home, the, the leaders of the world or whatever that is with the cartoon drawing. Yeah. Video. Yeah, I love that. So, uh, yeah, the trio between us could have been huge, I think. But, you know, uh, things happen and, you know, it just didn't work out. Matt, what did Brother Nero mean to Broken Matt Hardy? Uh, 
it, it was huge. I mean, uh, Brother Nero was truly like, you know, almost if there's a Batman needs a, a Joker. He needs someone to play off of. And, and, and Brother Nero was that. And especially Jeff being Jeff and being a superstar of his caliber, uh, being a superstar of his caliber, being able to do Broken broke Matt and being able to play off of a Jeff Hardy and then even have Jeff Hardy kind of interject himself into the scene and almost – live on the same plane in the same world or universe as a broken mat as brother Nero was, was huge. It also helped solidify, you know, broken mat as, as like an important persona as well. And I felt like brother Nero also is something that was so beneficial to him because it's something that give him more legs. Anytime in pro wrestling, when you can evolve, when you can change and when you can have different options or, or different places you can go with, characters or personalities I, I think that's beneficial for career longevity and i'm so glad he got that brother nero because that is something even when our wrestling days are over you could do a broken mat brother nero series you know and these are two characters that could exist in, in a, a whole different universe besides uh just in the context of a wrestling ring jeff where does that time period rank for you in terms of the timeline of your career uh, what time? What time period? Like where? Where does the brother Nero time period rank in terms for you and the things that you've done in your career? Oh, it's up there, man. It's it's just brother Nero just flows so smooth. It sounds like a cool ass band name or something. But <laughs> I, I still hear it from even at music shows too. Like brother Nero, I hear it all the time, and a lot of people call me that. Just uh, you know, I mean, they just it, it just flows so good, and it's a part of me now uh, as far as my wrestling career. But uh, yeah, it's up there, man. It's up there with with all the like cool Jeff Hardy moments and stuff. It's just another version of, of what I am. It, it really, when Jeremy Borash and Jimmy would be there to film these vignettes and, and the ones we would even do outside, you know, if we were in Orlando taping television and we'd go to different locations in Orlando, or we'd try and find different places in the building, like remote locations, strange locations, just especially when they would come to the Hardy compound and we'd shoot there. I mean, it was, the most fun I've ever had in my career. I sure. think it, it was definitely one of the most fun phases where it's one of those things like more than ever, like, you know, they say like, if you're doing a job that doesn't feel like work and you're getting paid for it, then you're not really having to work. I mean, this was like the most fun I'd ever had in my career because every, every bit of it was like legitimately fun. And like, uh, we were legitimately popping ourselves and enjoying every moment of it. It didn't feel like work at all. It felt like we were, you know, doing things that were just fun to do. So awesome. And I've been having so much fun chronicling this broken character with you on this Becoming Broken series. And I can't stress to everyone enough, if you're listening to this, go back into our archives, listen to the House Hardy, the Meet the House Hardy episode, and then into the Broken Brilliance. And now this. And next week, Matt and I have an awesome, in-depth dive on the final deletion. We literally break it down scene by scene, shot by shot. Uh, and it's really, really cool. And uh, I always say this, Jeff, to Matt, anytime I see you do something just wild, I say, that looked like it sucked. And uh, I, that comes up about five different times during the final deletion. So um, <laughs> I hope people get a chance to enjoy that. Um, and yeah, and, and we're going to wrap this series talking about WrestleMania 33 and the big return. And I'd love for you to come back on with us to talk about that. Uh, once we get to there, because that's one of the coolest nights of your career, a big time return. But you got a big time return this past week. Let's bring things back to the present here. 
Uh, what was the anticipation like, Jeff? Uh, it was kind of the worst kept secret in pro wrestling. Everyone knew you were going to be headed to AEW, but that doesn't. Wait, was it was it worse than CM Punk showing up? So, well, I'll say this: <laughs> I, I loved that AEW leaned into the CM Punk stuff. Yeah, I, I did too. Loved that, and I think in maybe a more subtle way, AEW did the same with this. Like everyone yeah. kind of knew what was coming here with that. But uh, those nerves, man, what are they like when you know something like that is coming for both of you? Uh, for me, it was I was like crazy nervous that whole day because uh, it was it was so bizarre. Like the night before, I had no idea what time my flight was going to be. If I was gone, I kept telling myself they're probably going to wait till next week just because that little the interview I did at one of my music shows got leaked. And I pretty much plainly said when they enhanced the video, I'm going to AW. I didn't know that until this morning. And it was something like that. And then people went crazy. Oh, that's a spoiler. But it really wasn't. Uh, but yeah, so all that was kind of rushing through my mind. I was going, maybe they're just not going to do it tomorrow. But yeah, we got our girls up for school that morning, uh, last Wednesday morning, uh, six o'clock, like we always do. And about 6.04, uh, Beth, my wife, went to check my phone when it went off. She said, oh, it's happening. You just got your <laughs> flight info. And I was like, oh, God, I'm not going to get to go to, uh, with the girls to school or take them to uh, so yeah, and uh, and so it it was on from that point on, and um, and I it, I didn't sleep that much. I know Matt didn't either that night because yeah. he was he was kind of like the uh, what do you call it the the connection uh, voice the liaison uh, the li liaison yeah um, <laughs> because I really wasn't completely free until like midnight. Uh, yeah, and Tony Khan's uh, a stickler about that, right? Like like he yeah, did not very much sure. yeah. Like Tony Tony wasn't going to speak to him until his contract was totally done. You know, so like literally we just we're planting the seeds of like me turning back babyface and, you know, re you know, being able to reteam with Jeff at some point in the future, there wasn't like a set time of when it was going to happen for sure. And then like, even, you know, that, that day, you know, like he literally didn't have his travel till almost, you know, it was between six and 7 AM that morning. He couldn't get on the same flight as me because they were sold out. He had to fly to Tampa and then take a car service down to Fort Myers. So it was like a super chaotic day. And even during that day, they're like, okay, Matt, well, you know, you have this new contract. We can extend yours. And, you know, you know your, how your contract is. What if we just offer Jeff that same thing? It's just like I was kind of like handling all of these things and like passing the information on, and we were trying to like expedite this process and do it do it very swiftly. So uh, it, it was quite an adrenaline rush. I, I got to say, I was very happy when we got past that day. And now he is here. He has uh, faded away and classified himself as all elite, you know, and, and, and it's official and we can like talk about it and it's like out in the open. So just up to that point, it was very like stressful, especially on me that night. I kept waking up like every hour. It's like, I know because I had an early flight too. I was like, I know I'm going to get a call like at 1230 in the morning, 1230 a.m. Like, okay, can uh, we get your brother's information? We want to do this in a flight. And that, uh, okay, what about creative? We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We got to get him on a contract. Does he want this? Does he want that? Can we call him? Can you give me a, I knew I was going to be up all night. So I was like waking up almost every hour on the hour you know, before taking a flight early that next morning to go to uh, go to Fort Myers. So I was just so happy when we got past that day. I asked Jeff before what his nerves were like going through the tunnel. But Matt, you're in the ring. You know everything that's coming. And you have to also stay in the moment where because this was this was like duality for you, Matt. You're not just getting your brother back, but this is the big payoff to this year plus long program you've been setting up with private party and you wanted to do them justice. What were yeah. your nerves like in the ring there? Uh, I mean, I, I was fine. Uh, once, once we, once we, he got to television, once everybody was there, once we had an idea of what we're going to do, it was, it was a cakewalk then. It was easy. It was just the stress of getting there and getting all, all, all of the players in 
the correct place. Jeff, when you get that reaction from the crowd, uh, how did it compare to some of the other big moments you guys have had? We talked about the WrestleMania thing that we're going to discuss in a couple weeks here. Um, but I, I don't think people expected to hear Loaded. I don't think people expected to hear the Hardy Boys theme. So what was that like when uh, you hear that roar? Uh, it was awesome. And that's one of the big things, man. Like I've seen that music on so many <clears throat> reality shows like over the years. I mean, whatever you call that it's in the library or something. I don't know. But uh, anyway, like I've heard it on all these other shows. So, but when I, <clears throat> every time it is like when I do hear it, it's the Hardy Boys music. Yeah. And like, even moving forward, I think it'd be really cool if I can bring back one of my originals or, or whatever, just to when we do have singles matches, like he, whatever music he comes out, he comes out to, he uses that. Then I come out to whatever I come out to. But then that is just for us when we're teaming. I think that's Hardy Boys music. And, um, but yeah, just, I think it, that made it so much better. And Sting and Darby Allen going out there before me, like, was another little good swerve that kind of made people go, wait a minute, he's not, he's not going yeah. to be here tonight. Oh, shoot. Uh, but then it just, that payoff was incredible. And that music made it like so, so good. Uh, I just wish I could have enjoyed it more because it was a run and save. Uh, but it's all, it's all good. I got plenty more entrances to come. Uh, and so I can actually, you know, absorb all that energy from people being happy to see me. And I also think too, and we were in Fort Myers, we were coming off a very long week in Florida where we'd already had so many events, you know, we'd had a dynamite, we'd done a, a dark taping, we'd done a live rampage, we'd had a fan fest and we'd had a pay-per-view and that Fort Myers is the first time being in that market. And, and I think the majority of the people probably went to the pay-per-view. It was obviously packed and, and sold out. So the, the Fort Myers house wasn't as big as the other houses we'd had previously the week before, but still when he made his entrance, it was still like a, an amazing moment. And to see people legitimately jump out of their seat in excitement, you know, knowing they're like, Oh my God, this is a big deal. Jeff Hardy is coming to AW. And not only is just Jeff Hardy coming to AW, the, the Hardy boys are here and they're reforming. And they also have their iconic music, you know, regardless of, where that music is played, you know, even though it's like music can be licensed and it's uncopyrightable or whatever, like when you hear that music, people's first thought is Hardy Boys. We will always be associated with that song loaded. And that that was really cool, you know. So whenever that hit and he came running out, like people people went ape shit in the crowd. You know, I, I could tell. And I was soaking it all in, even down there getting my ass whipped. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I said this to Matt after it happened, I texted him. I said it was it was a misty night in the Alba household because I, as and I told you too this Jeff on our first episode, like the Hardy Boys, the Hardys, whatever you guys want to go by, you, you were my team. You are one of the very reasons that I watch pro wrestling. And it wasn't the return that got me. It was the hug. And and seeing the genuine emotion on both of your faces, uh, what did that moment mean to you guys? Yeah, that was a, <clears throat> I didn't realize it in the moment. I didn't realize how like emotional and like, like serious that looked and like, but like looking back at it, seeing Matt's face and I'm kind of on his chest and I just, I wore boots out there with no laces. So that it was, wasn't that comfortable because I was felt like I was sliding all around. I did that swanton, the first swanton in an AEW ring and right up to a high five to my brother and then the hug. And then that picture is going to be, you know, legendary. Yeah. Uh, moving forward because yeah, that, that was real, man. And Jim, Jim Ross is one of the best commentators to ever, ever do it. And like, he, God, he covered it so well. I mean, the brothers are back and uh, yeah, it was real and it felt good. I think too, through all the trials and tribulations we've been through and, and even, you know, like once we, I left WWE, my contract was up. His obviously got extended, you know, we just been through a, a, a lot together, you know, like 
you know, years, years ago, I'd been through my struggles. Jeff had been through his. And this last year, or in 2021, we both lost our dad, which was a big deal to us. And just for us to be back together as brothers and as a team and, like, just to, to be in one place and, and be healthy was was super important to me. And, and as I even talked about earlier on, the thing with Scott Hall is, like, tomorrow isn't guaranteed for everyone. Like, I appreciate every day that I have with my brother. I appreciate every day that I have with my kids and my family. I mean, it, it means the world to me. And I really treat every day like it is the last day because you never know, you know, that that's almost the best way to go because I, I never want to like be a guy that like would pass away one day and feel like I didn't live every day to, to, to the maximum. I want to get the most that I can out of every single day. So in that moment, it's like, we're there. We finally reunited. We're, we're both together. We're healthy. We're happy. And we're back on the same page. And, and that, that means something very special to me. It really, really does. And, and you could almost see, I, I just, tried it wasn't me acting or i mean it was a very real genuine emotion and jeff's face there's one picture where he's smiling so big and it's so teethy and and i know it's just like I feel, yeah i feel like you just like oh my god we we did it we got through this like this stressful day is over and we're here and now we're back in business and i'm just so happy today's over yeah <laughs> and, and I, there was part of me that felt like that as well but also just very happy to be back together and to have you with me on the, on the same brand. And like, you know, it, it means our lives are a lot closer now too. I, I want to give a shout out to, uh, and I apologize if I'm not pronouncing this correctly, uh, Falco Leischke, who, who did that amazing, amazing painting and, and picture of the hug that kind of went a little yeah. viral on social media, just absolutely yeah. incredible. Um, so thank you for sharing that with us. Time to tell you about something I'm super passionate about protecting your family. Yes, this is a life insurance ad for goliathlife.com, but to me, this is really about peace of mind. Think about insurance for a second. We all get medical and auto insurance, yet we never even know if we're going to have a need for it. Let me let you in on a little secret. You need life insurance. We're all going to die. Now, as you let that reality sink in, think about what would happen if your family stopped having your income tomorrow. If you don't have a plan for that, you need to visit goliathlife.com. And I mean, right now. And just personally, I've lost two friends in their forties this past year and a half. And I don't even want to think about what their families would be going through. Had they not had life insurance. If you don't have it, get it, protect your family. And I suggest you go to goliathlife.com because they've made the process of getting affordable life insurance. Super easy. Goliath life streamlines the life insurance process by allowing you to get quotes for more than 20 carriers within minutes. And you'll pick your terms and payments to fit your budget. You pick your price. You start the online application immediately and even schedule the medical exam to come to you. And I've done it. They sent someone to my office. I skipped the phone calls, the paperwork and the crazy invasive conversations. Goliath life makes buying life insurance simple. There's no hidden fees, no upsells, no hassle, hell, not even a phone call. Goliath life is life insurance in your hands on your time. Get multiple quick quotes right now from the comfort of your own home and begin your application in a few easy clicks right now at goliathlife.com. I, I want to ask you about the WWE departure, Jeff. Um, so AEW really leaned into the erratic behavior. Um, uh, a, a lot of inside fun with that. But a lot of people were concerned about things. And Matt has spoken at length about some of the circumstances of what happened. But I'd love to hear your side of things uh, to the degree that you feel comfortable discussing. Uh, what exactly went down that night in December? And uh, how did it help lead you to this point? 
Uh, you know, again, like certain things happen for a reason. And that's this subconsciously, uh, that was one of the smartest, maybe the smartest thing I have ever done guided by something higher than me. I'll say, I just, it, WWE was so strange. I, I'd been there for almost two years, I guess. Like, uh, after I came back from knee surgeries, another strange things about a strange thing about our careers. When Matt debuted in AEW, the pandemic had hit in front of nobody. You know, he teleported down from the nosebleeds. And then I was supposed to debut in Detroit, Michigan, in front of like 20,000 people. I debuted. I came back from knee surgery at the Performance Center in front of nobody. Yeah. And so we both kind of I came back from surgery. Matt debuted in, uh, in front of nothing because of the pandemic. Uh, but it was just weird. I guess the best way I can describe my journey, like the, the last few months, whatever, and WWE was like glimmers of hope. Like uh, maybe I do still have something. And the last glimmer of hope was the Survivor Series, which was really good. Came down to me and Seth Rollins, man, it was killing. I almost won and the crowd was so behind me, man. I felt like one of the most popular baby faces in WWE because the crowd was so with me. Um, but yeah, but then there's other times I just felt like a ghost roaming the halls. And like, I'm just, I don't know, man, why am I even here? I don't feel important at all. Um, but, you know, I kept doing my deal and I just would show up and do whatever they wanted me to do. And um, I, I've, I've never been a politicker, so I don't go out of my way to try to get a certain spot or like to to achieve a certain status. Um, but, yeah, uh, just that night in Edinburgh, Texas, uh, for some reason, I, I finished my heat. You know, I took the heat and I just said, I, I'm, I'm ready to go. Went over the rail and disappeared into the crowd. Naturally, uh, they, they think I took something like drugs or whatever, but I didn't. I mean, if I was that bad, I should never like never went out there is the way I see it. But uh, yeah, and I thought, man, it's just another like unpredictable thing that that I can do and I'll get away with it. But uh, they, it was more serious than that. And uh, but again, uh, it was one of the smartest things I, I've ever done because everything worked out so perfectly mainly because my first day in AEW, I felt valuable, like for the first time, mm. just, just, you know, the care and love yeah. I, I was shown. Yeah, I felt like I, I was supposed to be, I just got chills thinking about that to where WWE, it just felt like they were just wanting to keep me there to sell more like action figures. And that's one of the things that I put so much like love and joy, I get so much joy out of painting my face. And when I see that come out and immortalize an action figure, I'm like, man, that's why I do it. This is so cool. Even when I'm signing all these things and, so that's one thing I'm super excited about here in AEW is my first action figure uh, with the face paint. And it's like, okay, it's, it's here. This is exactly where I'm supposed to be right now. That, that is, that is one of the things though, like with, with WWE, as you can say, and that, that's kind of how I felt towards the end. I mean, I could see Vince wanted a different career path for me, but I mean, I, you know, I, I love pro wrestling. Obviously that was our dream. And that's why we've done this for so long, you know, because, because we actually love it and we're passionate about it. And I feel like there is so much value in older guys, you know, but sometimes, you know, with, with WWE and, you know, it's kind of just Vince's mindset, you know, sometimes he just like uses older guys. They're just like a cog in the machine, you know, to help get other people over or sell action figures or, or do whatever. Yeah. And, and as you can see, you could tell right from day one, when you walk in the AW door, it's like you're really valued as, as a, as like a, a human being. And also like your, your value of being this, you know, huge star jeff hardy and also one of the greatest tag teams of all time the hardy boys is like uh, immediately an issue you know and they're like we're going to treat you with a certain respect and and with a certain dignity you know as opposed to like okay well we need you to go put some guys over trying to make some people whatever you know it's just there, there's a way there's a way to do that too being a big star but i, I think with aw they treat you in such a respectful way and they, and they really uh respect and 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 cherish people's legacies and the things they've done as far as being legends and they give you an opportunity to go out and still be respected 
but you can still do things in, in certain contexts where you can still continue to make other people, but it's in a respectful way, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. So, Jeff, was, was this a case of you trying to get released or was this just something that felt right in the moment for you? Uh, felt right in the moment. Yeah, I wasn't trying to get released, but it, it, just thinking about Survivor Series, how fun that was. Uh, the connection with the crowd and they, they wanted me to win so bad. It just made me think back to like SummerSlam. I went to SummerSlam and it was like a, a, a big crowd, you know, it was in this stadium in Vegas or whatever. And I was like, man, what? I wouldn't, I was there just all day for nothing, you know? And I was like, why don't, why am I even here? You know, like God, cause I was so excited about being a part of it, like some maybe little spot or something, but I just wasn't involved. And I was like, man, why am I even here? And that, not just for the SummerSlam, but like, why am I, why am I still here in WWE? Like what, What's my purpose, you know, um, because it didn't feel like uh, I had much of one. Um, Were you planning on leaving once your contract was up? Event, yeah, I've talked about that many times. Yeah. When anybody from AEW or whatever say, hey, man, how much longer you got? Whatever. Uh, a little under two years now, you know, or whatever. <laughs> so that was ultimately the plan. Yeah. yeah. Depending on how things went throughout those two years. But, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'm I'm not, you know, I'm in good shape, but I'm still pretty beat up. So I don't know how much longer I've got. And I just want to make the most of the, the time I do have. You know, I'm sure Matt feels the same way. Like, yeah, let's let's get this in while we can. Cause yeah, you know, yeah. And I, I just felt like I was kind of wasting away in, in WWE, like the for, for my, my good moments that haven't happened yet. It's, you know, while I'm healthy and, and still feel pretty good out there in the ring. Um, so, yeah, it just felt. Yeah, I just feel I feel valued now. And I think that's very important as yeah. a performer. Matt mentioned that they reached out to you about a potential Hall of Fame induction and you declined that. Uh, was the indication that it would be just you going in and not Matt? And and what was your decision to turn that down behind? I don't know. It just, it just felt completely wrong. Like it, it just didn't feel like the time at all. And I like almost felt offended. I was very emotional, but I almost felt offended. I was like, what? So wait, what? After my 90 days is up and the hall of fame's in April or whatever, and I do go to AEW, how, how's that going to work? What, what, what kind of plant, what are y'all trying to hit me with here? Like as far as if I do sign with, AEW when I'm free and then me going to the Hall of Fame, how, how would that even work? You know, just my mind and emotion kind of went crazy. And I, I was in tears, man, because I like this is my career. You know, I know, I know I've been a very influential person to a lot of like young, misunderstood individuals. Um, but, yeah, it just felt so wrong. And I almost felt like, how dare you? Like, in, in a sense. And I know it sounds crazy. I guess when people get offered the Hall of Fame, it's like, oh, of course. Yeah, I'm a Hall of Famer. It's never really meant that much to me, like the hall of fame, whatever it is, but, uh, but it just, it, it's not time for that. And that's why it was just kind of, I was like, uh, yeah, it's a hard no. Um, especially it feels like something Matt and I should go in together, you know, as the Hardy boys when the time is right. So yeah, it was just weird, man. I, I still don't know how I feel about that. Like overall, it just, uh, it just felt so wrong. And I was just, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I think too, you're, you're very much, uh, like just a creature of reaction to like, you know, like if you feel a certain way about things, I mean, you just, you, you don't really try and break it down in your mind or try and explain to yourself. You just, you go off instinct. You know what I mean? And I, I think that's even part of the whole deal there. You just didn't feel valued and you, you are, I mean, you're one of the most beloved wrestling superstars of all time. And just, I think that that lack of feeling valued, you know, to, to, to your maximum ability and, and, just being able to to leave and come here and now seeing how this is, you know, and just like the, the hall of fame thing, it's just, I almost feel like they felt like they jumped the gun a little bit whenever they let you go before they got the drug test results back. And then it was like a long time of not getting them back or whatever. And it was almost like, well, what can we do to kind of reel them back in? And that's probably what was emotional with it too, yeah. you know, because 
It's just like I, I want people to offer things like that because it's coming from the right place. Not because there's like some motive behind it or, you know, they're trying to like reel you back in or something. But Maybe I should have said this, but wait a minute. What if I'm in AEW at the time of the Hall of Fame? How, how does that work? <laughs> right. I mean, that, that, that would have been interesting. But I, what if you know? I, uh, I, I would imagine uh, they would have had you under a nice little contract where you could have came to the AEW. Yeah, probably. So, that, would yeah. be my, that would be my guess. Like the Legends deal or something. Because <laughs> uh, you're, you're not ready to hang it up at all. And we, we see that evidently. Um, I want to wrap this conversation with this because you have so many people who care about you, Jeff. When it all went down, I immediately texted Matt and I said, I don't care what the circumstances are. I just want to know, is this guy okay? Because people care about you. They know your trials and your tribulations and what you've been able to accomplish in the face of adversity. Matt has insisted this entire time. You are good. You're in a great place. Where is Jeff Hardy at right now mentally and physically? Oh, God, I'm great. And that's it's, it's very common, like what you just said, like for the outsiders that don't really know me to go, oh, God, he's got a history of drugs and alcohol. Is he OK? Is he OK? When you get put in a position to where like uh, they want you to go to, you know, away for 28 days from your family, but then your family believes in you, like the, the three people you love most in your life. Uh, when they believe in me, like that's all that I need. So that's kind of a time when you gotta go okay screw the outside world it don't matter and that, that i don't i hope that don't sound mean but i mean even no no there needs to be more of that mentality today with social media because so many people are like concerned about what people think about them and you know they they want to feel validated by like strangers reactions i'm like fuck other people that don't really know you know what i mean yeah. i mean that's really what it comes down to like if you and your own life have it together and the people in that you are really close to and your loved ones know everything's good. That's what's most important. You know, too, too many people are focused on worrying about people that, that aren't important. And, and that's not even saying anything to be, to be mean. I mean, you know, it's just, that's kind of the world we live in in this day and age. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was trying to say. Pretty much. <laughs> Fuck the outsiders when it comes to like family, the ones that really matter most. And, you know, and even all this stuff about, Oh, you should have took the hall of fame. It just kind of just makes me sick. No, no, no. It wouldn't have been a lot cool or whatever, you know. I mean, it's just I'm, I'm very comfortable in my own skin, and I, I believe in myself so much, and my family does too, and that's really all that matters. Yeah, and it's great to hear that you are doing well. And and that's the thing, man, I talked about that too. It's like sometimes the worst things you can do is force someone to be away from the people that support them. So I'm so glad seeing you guys reunited. It's and I speak on behalf of the entire pro wrestling world. Um, I, I not cool of private party to be giving you guys so much shit. And I don't know if you saw this, Matt, but uh, there was some leaked video of Isaiah Cassidy doing the Jeff Hardy dance in the entrance. And uh, I don't know. It just seems like uh, that guy might be talking a little more shit than he can put down. So I'm curious to see how you guys deal with private party. Yeah, man, they're just mark ass bitches. <laughs> And then you get to work with Darby Allen, who Jeff, I worked with Darby on the Indies for the first time in 2016. And, and I looked him in the face and I said, you're, you're, you're the next Jeff Hardy. So I'm so excited to see the two of you guys. Darby's a stunt man too. Yes. He is. Yeah. It was so cool meeting him. You know, Hey, I'm Jeff. Hey, I'm Darby. Uh, we talked about skateboarding and motocross and he was showing me this, the thing he did for the video yeah. with the car. And I was like, Oh, this is so cool. And we we're talking about 
uh, has a pro wrestler ever backflipped a dirt bike? And uh, maybe you could be the first one. I, I think I could, I might could do it, man. If I get to a foam pit or go out to Pastrana land and have a little training, you know, mm -hmm. session, but uh, yeah, we had a really good conversation about extreme sports and, and stuff. And pretty much, man, he is one of the fastest cats I've ever seen. The way he does that suicide dive out towards the, and Matt's told me how it feels to take it. So <laughs> it's like a, a, a bullet, just like he's, shooting. At he's, you. A, he's a scud missile. Oh man. He, the strange enigma. He shoot uh, chipped Jose's tooth, I heard. Um, hey, it couldn't have happened to a better guy. Yeah. It's Jose's <laughs> trash. Jose is absolute trash. Um, hey, Jeff, uh, we are so appreciative of you telling your story and talking about Brother Nero with us here on the Extreme Life of Matt Hardy. Again, guys, next week we're going to take a deep dive into scene by scene, shot by shot of the final deletion. and The final deletion! And I am so excited for everyone to hear that. I'm excited for you to hear that, Jeff, because I'm sure it will jog some memories back of what a fun night, uh, true 24-hour experience that was for you guys. Oh, <laughs> me too. And the first swanton out of a tree, man. It's <laughs> wow. That, that, we talk about that in detail. <laughs> yes. Um, and nasty-ass nasty ass lake water in the lake of reincarnation. Oh, oh my God. And uh, again, open invite, join us whenever, and let's talk about the hard boys. Um, anything else that you guys would like to add here on this episode? You got anything? You talk about your rock shows, man? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess uh, WrestleMania, baby. Yeah, I guess WrestleMania week, uh, April 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, we're kicking it off. I'm doing a live podcast, speaking of podcast, uh, with Double J, Jeff Jarrett um, at Gillies. It's a very famous bar, I think, where the Urban Cowboy was filmed or something. Uh, live podcast there and then a live music show after that in Dallas, Texas. And the next night we're in Houston, uh, Houston, Texas, somewhere. And then Sunday night on April the 3rd, we're in Corpus Christi uh, doing some rock shows. Um, I don't know the name, the names of the bars, but uh, that first night on April the 1st is going to be in Gilly's place. And this should be incredible. Yes. Uh, Conrad's very excited about that. Eric Bischoff oh, yeah. will be there. William Regal will be there. One of your new AW co-workers. Very so, cool. We flew beside each other yeah. on the plane out here. We are talking about old times. It's crazy. He was like, I can't believe you're 44. And I said, yeah, I know, man. <laughs> we've known each other a while. It's just, it's so, so incredible yeah. that we're still doing it. That's awesome. And Matt Hardy, as always, if people love what they're hearing on the extreme life of Matt Hardy, how can they support the show? They can support the show by going to every platform we are on and giving us that five-star review. That they can, and they can also check out the House Hardy on Twitch. Rebby doing great work there. And actually, as we finish this recording, in about 40 minutes, I'll be laying down a podcast with Rebby and the wives of wrestling here on Podcast Heat. I'm absolutely terrified for that, but uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. And uh, Hopefully I'll be back to do another podcast with you in the future. That's uh, yeah. what I'm hoping for. So thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Matt. And thank every, every one of you guys for listening to this. And we'll be back with you next week here on the extreme life of Matt Hardy. As we talk about the final deletion, the words have been spoken. The internet is broken. Have a great week, everyone. Adios, amigos. Who else can die?